Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring me, person That's right, I'm new to following soccer, she's comparatively new to being alive and we are here to treat you despite our relative uh, inexperience at following soccer and at being alive with soccer mini previews. We're going to look at some of the biggest matches from all over the world as we define them, which is a little unlike most, if all other soccer podcasts you're going to hear. We're going to look at top two matchups from leagues big and small. We'll look at select matches from various international team and club tournaments, but it doesn't matter what association. We're not just Europe or the biggest clubs in North America or South America or what have you. We leave no stone unturned. If it is a FIFA league, men's league, and a lot of the women's leagues too, there's a good chance that the important match where it's being played is on our radar. Now this week we are going to do matches from, I want to get the exact dates right here. Well, it's going to be Thursday through Friday. I don't remember the exact dates. Do you know what Thursday through Friday was, Pinu? No. Oh, there we go. Uh, Friday through Thursday, June 15th through Thursday the 21st. That was pretty smooth, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. Now, as we like to do, uh, we call a little pre-chat or a preamble these days before the show, because what I've been told is by the listeners out there that while they appreciate the soccer content, it's a nice change of pace from other shows, you are the muscle of the show. You are the real star of the show, and people want to know what's going on in the life and times and the thoughts and in the pretty little noggin of person noob. So what do you have going on this week, P noob? I'm going to my grandma and grandpa's house. Wow. Do they live just around the corner? Nope. Nope. Where do they live? Iowa. That's right. That's a long way from here, isn't it? 12 to 13 hours. That's right. Fortunately, um, you're not going to be driving it all the way. Well, you won't be driving at all, but you know what I mean. The dri- You and Mommy will not be making the drive all at once, will you? Nope. Nope. Who are you going to stop and see on your way? Aunt Julie. Yeah, and probably her grandkids, right? Hazel and William. Yeah, that'll be a good time, won't it? And Cousin John. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll make the three-hour trip to Indy. And I think you guys are going to spend a full day there, not just like stop for lunch or something. And then... You will leave on Sunday to go the rest of the way to Iowa, so that'll make it like a 10-hour trip. And I think we're taking a plane, I think. You're flying from Minneapolis to Cedar Rapids? Oh, wow. I thought that Mommy was flying. Well, I thought Mommy was flying from Cedar Rapids to a conference in Chicago. Maybe it's both. Well, that'll be super fun. Yeah. Won't it? Yeah. Exciting. You've been on an airplane before, haven't you? 
Yeah, but one reason I don't like them is because when you go down, your ears just die. Yeah, the uh, the change in air pressure can be a real problem for some people. Yeah, and the only way to help it is to eat this really sour candy that my mom gave me, and I didn't like it. Oh, uh, well, this time you might try just chewing on something like some bubble gum. A little tip from me to you. Yeah. Father to daughter. That'll work, won't it? Quack. So you've got a big week in store. Now, let's tell the people what else we have in store for today's show, because you're going to be heavily involved, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be doing your uh, question answering segment, but that's got a special surprise within it, doesn't it? Yeah. A segment within a segment. We'll we'll wait to tell the people what your segment is called and what the segment that we invented to go within it is called. And then what's the one that we can tell them about? What are we what are you doing to your father later? I'm going to make him eat a sandwich. That's right. What's the name of the segment? Person new sandwich review. Review, bah. <laughs> That's right. You want everybody to understand that we are a noob and anything that ends with double O is a B. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the pre-show. I hope you'll choose to help me with some of the soccer segments as well. But I know the listeners at the very least will be looking forward uh, to hearing the segments that you are specifically in command of later on. But there is soccer afoot. So with no further ado, let's jump into the mini previews with... Match number one. We start out on Friday for match number one with the UEFA Women's European Championships. Yeah, we're going to start on that side of the ball because it is the last match of the group stage. Now, all of the matches are being hosted in England. What that means is that the various teams are not having to play two-legged home and away ties with one another. So here's what the format here in the final group stage looks like. There are four groups of four. They're just having to play a single round robin. Top two from each of the groups will advance to the knockout stage. Pretty simple. And you know that this is a big one because they're carrying it on ESPN, uh, the hot deuce. Isn't how? Isn't that how ESPN2 is marketing itself now, Person Noob? No. No? Am I just making that up because bathroom humor is funny to me? Yes. I still think this should go with ESPN, the hot deuce. Anyway, it's a hot match. Number 13 ranked in UEFA. Austria taking on the ladies of number seven ranked Norway. They are tied in points for second and third place, respectively. Australia, of course, then are ahead by a little bit on goal differential. That means that Norway have to get a win in order to pass them and move on into the knockout stage. Austria, they trail England by just three points, but there's virtually no mathematical chance that they're going to catch them. They're uh, behind on eight on goal differential. England has been absolutely dominant. Uh, so let's take a look at the uh, hosts on paper first. Austria, your underdogs heading into this, and yet right now they're in the t- driver's seat. All they need is a draw, and this will suit their style of play quite well. Now, they are ranked number 21 in the world by FIFA. They've never been to a World Cup of any kind. 2017, the last iteration of this event, uh, was their first time ever in there, and they made it all the way to the semifinals. And they have uh, made it this far. This year, the same as they did in 2017, playing small ball or parking the bus, whichever way you want to describe it. They don't try to score a lot when they're playing a competition that is at the very least their equal, but then that allows them to not give up too many goals as well. 
Now, the qualifying stage went a little bit different for them. They finished in uh, second place behind uh, France, one of the one of, if not the very best teams in the world. Uh, and they managed a 22-3 and three goal differential and finishing in second place. Uh, that was good enough for them to advance. There was no guarantee by finishing in second place they would get to move on, but they barely did so. They ought to have advanced as the third best second place finisher of all of the groups. And that meant that they didn't have to go to a playoff round where the other second place finishers had to go. So good on them for getting that far. Now, in the qualifying stage, on the scoring leaderboard with seven, a key guy that I want you to look for when you're watching this on ESPN2 is Nicole Billa. She's their striker. She currently plays for Hoffenheim over in Germany for her club ball. It's not one of the best one or two teams over there, but it's not a bad one by any stretch. Now, this gal is just 26 years old, but she brings the experience. Almost unbelievably, she has over 80 national team appearances uh, notched to her belt. Just incredible. I think the very best player that they've had most recently, though, is on the defensive end. Their center back. It's not their goalie's very, very good, but it's their center back that really anchors things. And that is uh, Katarina Scheichtel. Uh, she's been with Werder Bremen again. Not one of the better teams over in Germany, but a top flight team, and she has been a fixture there since 2013. Quite the longevity. Now. What really impressed about Austria and the way they decided to play, playing the style of small ball, is that they only lost to England when they played them nil one. And then they beat uh, Northern Ireland nil two. That's a really big deal because, uh, as well, you'll find out in a little bit what Norway, uh, what happened to them when they played England. Uh, as far as Austria's, one last note, uh, their current form, they are 3-0-2 across all competitions, including friendlies, and they have been continuing to rely on their defense. And now your visitors, the Grasshoppers of Norway. Yeah, grasshoppers, not the most intimidating uh, mascot in the world. And on a quick search, I couldn't find out why they were called that. The men's team are called the Lions in Norway, which is a much more intimidating feature, although a much more cliche mascot to have as well. So go grasshoppers. Why not? Uh, they're ranked number 11 in the world by FIFA. They've got more history on their side than their opponents today. They actually won the World Cup in 1995. Uh, they haven't been as strong this last decade, but they did make the quarterfinals in 2017. Uh, they've also won this event a couple of times, although you've got to go back uh, quite a ways to find the, uh, the times they hoisted the trophy, 1987 and 93. Uh, in 2013, I will note that they finished in second place in this event, but in the last iteration, they only got to uh, the group stage, and that was in 2017. So kind of interesting. They've got – it seems like their, their halcyon days were in the 80s and 90s, and they're a little bit weaker today, or at the very least they were in the 2010s. Looking to fix that, let's take a look at their key players. Tied for second best in qualification stage scoring with 10 was Caroline Graham Hansen. She plays midfielder. Uh, she plays for Barcelona, which is one of, if not the very best teams in the world currently, far and away easily the dominant power in uh, the Spanish Women's League. She's got almost 100 national team appearances to her credit since 2011. Uh, something interesting about her, usually you will find when you're, uh, if you're watching the Norwegian women play, they tend to be very very physical, but she doesn't fit that particular mold, Miss Hansen. She is a far more technical, although that says she is outstanding one-on-one, -on -one, but she's not doing it uh, really bullying players per se. She is just very quick. 
And I want to make mention of their captain uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Marin uh, Mieldi, 32 years old veteran. She's been with Chelsea since 2016 and has earned just an almost unbelievable number of national team caps, 150 of them since 2007. This is definitely the team with all the experience on their side. I think because of that experience, they should be able to uh, kind of suck it up and get a win uh, in England over Austria. Uh, they beat Northern Ireland 4-1. to one. They're in last place of the group, no surprise. But the reason that this team is in third place and not in second is because they had to play England and they lost nil eight, the worst beating that the team has ever taken. Wow. As far as the team's current form, up until that uh, absolute slaughterhouse, uh, they had won six straight matches. So again, if they can recover mentally from that big loss, I still do think that the Norwegian Grasshoppers are the team to look for for a win here. Match number B. Yes, you heard right. Match number B, we have done away with number two because despite my uh, thoughts on how ESPN2 should market itself as the hot deuce, we do in fact try to do away with uh, blue or potty humor here. So get rid of that awful phrase, number two in your life and replace it with number B. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B, we head over to a place that we, I'm not sure we've ever been here in the history of this podcast, Malaysia. Their top flight is the Super League. Interestingly, there is a Premier League, but it's their second division. There's a couple cases where it's that way over in Asia. Anyway, this is the ninth ranked league currently in the AFC, and I'm wondering if they'll be able to hold on to that lofty status because that they were easily the biggest jumper the last time the AFC calculated uh, its coefficients that moved them up 11 notches, just unreal. They're uh, 10 matches into the season, so uh, close to a third of the way. Now, the winner is going to get to go to the AFC, that's uh, the Asian Confederation, uh, to their Champions League group stage, and then one team will get to go to the AFC Cup, that's their secondary tournament group stage, and the third plus third place team will probably also get to go. Their list is a standby team. And so basically when one of the other teams drops out, which will happen, uh, they will get to fill in. In any case, battling for that very top spot in this matchup, we have number B, Sabah FA, and they are taking on the perennial power, at least in recent years, number one, Johor Darul Tatsim. Uh, JDT, Johor Darul Tatsim, they lead Sabah by one, and they have a match in hand. So they are in the driver's seat right now. Their recent series, it has been all JDT. They have uh, accumulated a 3-0-0 perfect record. But we will talk about the hosts first, hoping to defend their home turf, Sabah. They are known as the Rhinos, and they're a team with quite a bit of history. They were founded in 1950. Uh, interestingly, until last year, this was a state-run team, which is not unusual over there. A lot of the teams have been. So it wasn't strictly a professional team, at least in the sense that uh, it is over in uh, Europe. It wasn't as private. The players were getting paid, of course. But recently, the FA has demanded that all the teams in the top two leagues be fully standardized uh, professional. So they no longer are a state-run team. They're now privately run. Uh, they've also tried to rebrand a couple of different times. They changed mascots a while ago from the Rhinos to the Hawks, but that didn't go over well with the fans at all. And then it was, uh, especially because Kuala Lumpur FA, a different team uh, in the top flight, was already the Hawks as well. So they went back to Rhino, 
Then they changed it over to an animal called in 2015 called a, a tambadu, and nobody liked that either. That's like a type of a cattle over there, like a skinny yak, basically, or something. I would call my team the skinny yaks. Why not? So they again changed it back to the rhinos after 2019. So just a little bit of interesting, fun history about a team that maybe you're not familiar with at all. Uh, now, where are they located? Well, they play out of the capital of the state of Sabah. The name of that city is Kota Kinbalu. It's on the north northeast coast of the island. Uh, if you uh, don't happen to be familiar with Indonesia, there's the peninsular part. And then if you keep drawing that curved line off of that uh, over the ocean just a little bit, you then get to uh, the big island, which roughly half of it is all part of Malaysia. So this uh, this city is on the north northeast coast facing the China Sea. Got about a half a million people. Footy-wise, they've only won the league title once, and that was all the way back to 1996. So it would really be something if they could take it this year. Uh, they have been a bit of a yo-yo team. In fact, they only got themselves re-promoted to the top flight in 2019. And that was after a seven-year stretch in the second division Malaysian Premier League. Last year, they finished in ninth place. So they're really ahead of that pace here, obviously. And they've done it, oh, on offense and defense. They're so well balanced. They've got the third best offense in the league, scoring uh, well over one and a half goals per match, uh, a top three defense, and the second best goal differential. So I think they're going to be there hanging at least with JDT, if not necessarily able to overtake them. I'll believe that when I see it all the way through to season's end. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard with three so far is Tae Soo Park out of South Korea. Uh, defender who really likes to push forward, 32 years old. Now, uh, he's not the only one. There are two other guys that are also tied with three goals. But I always like to point out when those defenders are getting in on the offensive action. And then they've got the number three rated goalkeeper of the league with four clean sheets. That is Kai Rule, Fami, Che, Mott. Yeah, four different names. Another veteran, 33 years old. Uh, and he has made over 60 national team appearances since 2010 here in Malaysia. So clearly they're getting it done with some really experienced players this particular year. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five, and they just got a really nice 0-1 win over number three, Nagari Sembalan. And now JDT, they are known as the Southern Tigers, playing out of the city of Johor Bahru, which is at the south end of Peninsular Malaysia. Basically, it's part of the greater, uh, you could almost think of it as part of Singapore would be the best way to put it. Economically, they basically are part of Singapore. Uh, the greater, uh, now Johor Bahru, that's true, but there is a larger metro area and the two other cities together with it that are a little bit less a part of Singapore um, take the metro area to somewhere between uh, one and three quarters million to two and a half million. This is the fastest growing metro area in the country. So they got some money over there. And in fact, to that end, since 2016, they've been owned by a local prince. No wonder they suddenly started doing so well uh, shortly uh, before he acquired them. The team has won eight league titles. They are all in a row. They are the eight time defending champs through last year. 2015, they won that secondary uh, cup that I mentioned internationally, the AFC Cup. As far as the Champions League, they never gotten past the group stage until this year. In fact, they're about to play Urawa Red Diamonds, uh, my favorite team out of Japan's J1 League in the round of 16. So good luck to them there, but not too much since I'm a big Urawa fan. 
Uh, this year in league play, they have got the number one offense by lots, two and a half goals plus per match. Number one defense, they've only conceded five in their nine matches. They've got the best goal differential uh, by over a factor of two. So like I said, you know, Sabah might be having a banner year, but I be- I will believe the JDT are going to be caught when I see it and absolutely no sooner. And they've got uh, good people on their side. All the best Asian teams seem to have uh, people from Brazil that are getting things done for them. Number one league score to that end with 13 goals on the season is Bergson, their striker from Brazil. He's done plenty of time with some good teams over there. Grêmio, uh, Piranha, Ense, that's having a very good year. And then Fortaleza, that's kind of up and down. And then they've got a guy who's tied for number one in goalkeeping with five clean sheets. Ferzai Marlias, 36-year-old veteran with 50-plus national team caps of his own since 2009. Team's current form... (laughs) Well, they're undefeated on the year. Only a couple draws uh, that are blemishing their record on there. Although one of them just happened. They had a 1-1 draw at number eight, Malacca United. So could there just be a little bit of a gap in the order and the armor for Sabah to slip through? We shall see. And now it's time for... Questions will be answered... Today! Woohoo! Yes, it's high drama because she puts the ellipses right in there. That is her own her own title for it. Way to go, person noob. So I have some bad news though. Uh, Soccer Noob USA, you know, my Twitter handle. I, I retweeted two of them. I put out three different tweets asking people for questions this week. But unfortunately, nobody had any questions for you or for uh Noobstradamus who's been visiting this week. And so, you know, I was going to have the two of you answer all the listener questions, but apparently the listeners feel like they know what they need to know this week. So um, I came up with something we were going to do. You came up with an alternative just now. So questions are going to be answered today, but who's going to ask the questions? Both of us. Okay, I thought you told me before we were recording that you had questions for me that you were going to interrogate me about something. Yeah, and you were going to ask those questions. Oh, too. yes, and then I have my bit that's a little bit different. It'll be a segment within a segment. Okay, what questions do you want to ask your Papa Soccer noob? All right, so my first question is, what is your favorite candy? My favorite candy, I am going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go classic uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I particularly like them these days if they've got M&M's in them, but, you know, the classic is the best way to go. Ooh, I like the Reese's M&M's. Oh, yeah, that aren't in a cup, that are just outside of it. Okay, so that was a question that was answered today. Do you have any other questions for me, or is that the only one you really wanted to know? I have a few other questions. Okay. Okay, some of these are weird. Do you like Scrabble or your glasses more? That's a really weird question. Well, I have to say my my progressive trifocal old man glasses because I couldn't play Scrabble or see your smiling face without them. So I have to say my glasses. Okay, you get one more question. All right. Who do you prefer, my mom or your mom? Oh, that is just <laughs> cruel because you know that at the very least, Grandpa Dave listens to this. <laughs> who, who, who do I prefer? Yeah. Between those two? Oh, 
first oh you were a mean child <laughs> oh uh, pleased with yourself are you yes am i allowed to say neither no no you can only say neither if you beat me in rock paper scissors all right ready set go one two three one two three one two three one two three Ah, okay. I get. I got her with paper on the third one, so I don't have to answer. Dang it. I love you, Grandma Susan slash my mom. I love you, yeah. uh, my darling wife slash person noob's mom. Yes, let there be wailing of gnashing of teeth as we move to the segment within a segment. Since none of you all sent person noob questions to answer, we are instead going to do stolen mailbag, where we take questions that. Some of you out on Twitter have asked other people, and we're going to answer in lieu of those other people because I think Person Noob's answers will be better. All right. At USMNT Fan 6, who is also known as Luke, uh, and he was asking this of USMNT only Is American soccer star Christian Polisic? Uh, Christian Pulisic's possible move to Juventus already done, just not officially announced, so that Chelsea can continue to sell tickets for their matches in the U.S. Uh, that was just a bunch of words, but okay. Um, so Christian Pulisic plays for Chelsea. He's the greatest player probably in American history or will be someday, but he might be on the way out of his current club, Chelsea. He might be going to Juventus. They've tried so far. They've said no. Some people think that the deal is really a done deal, you know, just secretly. And that Chelsea's just getting to hang on to him for a little bit longer because Chelsea is going to come over to the United States and play some warm up matches before the league begins. And if Christian Pulisic's on the team, then more people will buy more tickets and buy more stuff. So what do you think? Do you think that Christian Pulisic probably already has a deal with somebody else or no? Probably. You think so? You're a bit, okay, so you're a little bit on the conspiracy theory train here, and they're just keeping him to to sell more merch, more swag to the hip kids. Do they call it swag or is it merch now? Merch. Okay, fair enough. Question number two from USMNT underscore Stan, who is also uh, Stan USMNT on Twitter, to Lionel Hutz, who is on Twitter from Cheap Seat. Should our entire core group of American stars, who will be mid-late 20s in their prime, come back to play in Major League Soccer after the 2026 World Cup? Yes. Okay, so they're going to play the World Cup this year. And then in four years, they're going to play in another one. And then right when they're in their, they're in the primes of their careers, rather than stay over in Europe where all the money is, they should come back and support American soccer and play in the American league, which is good, but not as good as the ones in Europe. No, no, they shouldn't do that. So you're changing your answer. Yes. They should change. They should stay over in Europe. Yeah. Okay. Do you have, do you, uh, how do you feel about that? Why do you feel that way? Because if it's better for them in the in Europe, then then maybe someday, someday, they can be the best team in the world. I don't know. Yeah, the idea is that they should be very good by 2026, but you think that they should stay over in Europe and get even better for the 2030 World Cup. Yeah. So they can maybe win it then. Okay, super. One last question, Miss Persanoob, and this is from Yale... Averbook West, who is at under who is at Yale underscore Averbook, uh, she tweeted out, "Who wants to work with me?" 
and then she put a link out for a position for basically, I think, the assistant general manager for one of the uh, top women's teams or one of the teams in the top women's league, the NWSL, uh, to work with them as a general manager. And look, here I linked us to it. And it's got the position summary. It's for a chief of soccer, operations, general manager. So she asks, who wants to work with her? So I'm going to rephrase that question for you. Should your dad apply for the job? Let's see what I'd have to do. Work closely with ownership, general manager, and chief business officer to accomplish team and business objectives. The position involves the ability to maintain a schedule in line with a sports team, including nights and weekends. It's going to involve... Uh, a lot of hiring, uh, working with a lot of medical people and technical organizations, uh, making sure the trades go well, scouting in international youth programs, keep track of the team salary cap. And you, as you can see, it goes on and on and on. And it says here that I should have five years experience working in a technical department of a soccer team and that I should have a college degree that's related to a role at a sports organization. Do you know what kind of degree dad has? He has a teaching degree. He has an what? English yep, degree. Yep, I have an English degree and most of a teaching certification. And have I ever worked uh, Have I ever worked for a soccer organization? No. How many soccer games have I ever watched in person even? Two. <laughs> yeah, not very many. Soccer noob, it's not just a character, y'all. It's my life. So what should we tell uh, Miss Averbuck? She says, who wants to work with me? Should we at least tell her that, yes, I want to work with her and be the assistant general manager of Gotham FC? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think my chances are of getting the job? Nine percent. Wow. That is a lot. I think I think point I think point zero nine percent would be a little bit closer, but I appreciate your enthusiasm and your optimism. All right. So uh, thank you very much for not writing us any questions, everyone. Giving us an opportunity to reintroduce for the second time ever in our show's history. Stolen Mailbag, a subset of questions will be answered. Today! Hope that didn't get too confusing. Match number three. Now we flip the calendar page to Saturday and we bring things back home for us stateside here for a big match from USL's League One, that is the third tier here in the States, where the top six teams in this single division league are going to make the playoffs out of the 11. And the top two are going to get to go straight to the semifinals. They're roughly halfway through the season right now. And your matchup is second place Richmond Kickers versus number one Greenville Triumph. Right now, the Triumph lead the Kickers by two in the table. Richmond, in turn, lead South Georgia Tormenta and forward Madison that's been real red hot by five points. A uh, series between these two has been fairly even. Uh, Richmond Kickers with a slight advantage of a 4-0-3 record. You can catch this on ESPN Plus Eastern Time in the States at 6.30 Saturday night. We will first talk about the Kickers, also known as the Red Army and the Ruse. I've never been able to find anything on why they're called the ruse, even if that's related to kangaroo or something else entirely. If anybody else out there has any idea, Soccer Noob USA is where I am on Twitter. Please let me know. Now, this club is one with a lot of history, almost 30 years old, and they're one of the oldest continuously run soccer clubs in the country. Last year, they finished in fifth place. That was good enough to get into the playoffs, and they got to the quarterfinal. Uh, they spent 2017-18 uh, 
uh, in the USL back when that was uh, before it was called the championship in division two. And since then they've been in this league. They've won three regular season division three titles. Uh, 2013 was the most recent. Uh, they won also the United States Open Cup back in 1995, which I think was a little bit easier back then, but uh, still a very big deal for them to have won it, especially as a non-Division One club. This year, statistically, they are outstanding. Number one offense, scoring almost two goals per match. They've got a top three defense, only allowing one per match on average, and the best goal differential by uh, more than a factor of two. Tied for second best in league scoring for them with seven is Emiliano Terzaghi. I remember even talking about him last year, I believe. He is a forward for them. Uh, mostly when he was uh, back home in Argentina, he was playing for uh, largely Division Two clubs, but sometimes all the way back down in, into the fourth division, which is probably barely professional back there. So he's really found a home for himself here in the U.S. And why not? He was uh, the 2020 and I believe 2021 league MVP. I know at least he won in one of those years. Helping him out, setting him up, number one on assists in the entire league with seven is Jonathan Bolanos, a U.S. product, plays midfielder, started his career with a couple of apps, had a cup of coffee with Division Four USL League 2 Des Moines Menace. As you remember from the intro, uh, Persanoob and I are from Iowa originally, so the Menace is a team that we follow happily. Always glad to see their players moving on and doing well. Uh, Jonathan has uh, three goals and seven assists on the year. He's not much of a passer, to be perfectly honest, but he's a, a very good dribbler, an accurate shooter, and a very good tackler to boot. So I think they can live with the lack of passing accuracy when he's so good at all those other things. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three, albeit that has been against uh, somewhat below average competition in the league. And now Greenville Triumph, a team that was uh, founded just four years ago, and yet they've already won one league title, 2020, and they've never finished in worse than third place. The reason this year they're doing so well, it is all defense. They're actually below average on offense, but they're not even allowing a goal per match on average. Overall, they've got the second best goal differential. Uh, they do have what little offense they are getting is largely at the feet of Jacob Labovitz. He's got five goals on the year, which puts him in the top 10 for the league. He plays forward for them, as I'm sure he did for Virginia Tech. On the assist leaderboard with three on the year is Jesus Ibarra, another U.S. product midfielder, who interestingly, his whole career has been over here, but for some reason, he ended up with a fourth-tier Swedish club in 2019-2020. I don't even remember the name of it, but it just really stood out. You've got to wonder what the story is sometimes when these guys, they go abroad for one year to some seemingly random place and then end up coming right back. They've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets, Paul Christensen. He came up with the Seattle Sounders organization, and then he went over to the Atlanta United organization, and congratulations to him on it. He did get to make one appearance while he was there on loan when somebody else had gotten injured. So he does have some Major League Soccer experience. Uh, the team's current form, they are 4-1-0 and in their last five. But uh, that draw was a 1-1 draw at last place Tucson. So uh, for their sake, I hope that they just sort of fell asleep at the wheel and underestimated Tucson a little bit because of their place in the table. Match number four. 
Let's stay stateside. It's very comfortable here at home. This time we are going to visit for match number four, a fourth division league, the National Premier Soccer League, the NPSL's Western Conference, where the Pacific Division is about to have their final between number four from their regular season, Crossfire Redmond, and number four, FC Arizona, that plays out of the uh, Phoenix uh, slash Mesa area. I believe that only the winner gets to move on to the playoffs. Effectively, this is a play-in match for the more regional or national playoffs. But that's all you're going to learn from me about this particular one because we would like to make some money. And as always, to help us try and do that is our 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator. Love having him on contract, not only because of the gorgeous flowing silver hair and his silky robes and just his oracle aura, if you will, but he's just a plain good friend and we love his drug-aided or drug-addled Visions. How is this one going to go? Please take it away, O oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from Redmond, Washington. No howling merciless winds. It is not even rainy, which I will take as a good omen. I am at the true Buddhist school in a lovely garden with the Grand Master himself, Lu Sheng Yin. After last week's fiasco of getting way too high on the lotus leaves at that amusement park near Salem, perhaps I need some drug-free spiritual time? The Grand Master's blend of Buddhist and Taoist practices may be just what I need. One second. With whom am I speaking? It's... You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Okay, someone wants a soccer score divined. I know it's a waste, sir, but this is how we get the pills and the fresca. Yes, excellent. Uh, Noob, this living Buddha himself has blessed our efforts this day. Since I am new, we will begin with the Vajrasattva Yoga for Beginners in base, their esoteric practice. This should cleanse my mind of defilements. We begin with the 100-syllable mantra. O Vajrasattva, honor the agreement. Reveal yourself as the Vajra being. Be steadfast. Whoa, that was fast. I'm traveling once again through space and time. Before my eyes, I see the Bodhisattva Samantabhadra, the thunderbolt being himself. I fall to my knees, but he bids me rise, his name meaning universal good, and he tells me He is also the patron saint of Lotus. Lotus? Lotus! I am to continue my path as before. I wake from my vision, scrambling madly to roll in light leaves from my pockets. What a trance! What victory! Hey, come on now, fellas. No smoking, really? Grandmaster, you didn't have to call security to toss me out. Match number five. Doggone it, come on. 
Damus, this is the second week in a row that I have, you haven't actually mentioned a score. How am I going to put person noob through college if you don't prognosticate the scores? Uh, oh, well, I guess I'll uh, have to work harder to market the podcast. Anyway, match number five is another, another Saturday match, and we are headed off to paradise. That'll make me feel better. Tahiti, League One. It's only ranked as the number five league in all of the uh, Oceanic Football Confederation, but we don't care. French Polynesia is paradise. But as far as the footy, the top two teams will get to go to that Confederation's Champions League. And here at the very tail end of the season, pretty much, we have number B, P-Ray taking on number one, Dragon. Uh, Dragon currently lead P-Ray by two in the table and Venus by three. Now that sounds pretty close, but it's even closer than you might be thinking. Because unlike most of the world where you get three points for a win and each of the teams gets one point for a draw, it's a little different in Tahiti. One of two or three places in the world I'm aware of where they do a 4-2-1 system, four points for a win, two points for each team for a tie. And uh, as happens in the places where uh, this system is used, a lot of the time some teams just won't show up for various reasons. If you do show up and lose, you still get a point. But if you forfeit, you don't get nothing. So it's a very interesting system, but that means there could still be a lot of, there's a lot of fluidity in the table, still a lot of volatility in the standings. Now, uh, Dragon, number one right now, they've all been mathematically guaranteed themselves uh, a top two finish. Venus would have to make up, like, uh, win and make up 15 on goal differentials. So, effectively, we have a two-team race, although, you know, for the title, but obviously Venus could still catch P-Ray. In any case, when these two played earlier this season and Dragon hosted, they had a shootout but played to a 3-3 draw. Let's talk about P-Ray first. They play in a commune of about 14,000 in the suburbs of the capital city of Papite, which is in the north-central part of the island. And they play their matches, as do a couple of the other teams, in the Stad Peter Tejono Nui, which seats 11,000. Wow, it'd be really something if they were getting even half them or number two, the games themselves. Makes me wonder. Uh, this team is the two-time official defending champions. Uh, last year, they played just a single round robin in sort of an unofficial season. Things got canceled because of COVID. When it ended, P-Ray were number then, one then as well. But here they are having a leapfrog one more team in the standings to uh, maintain that crown. Uh, 2006 was their best ever Champions League finish. They were runners-up. 2013-14 was their most recent appearance, and they made the quarterfinals. 2020-21, uh, the OFC Champions League got canceled. Uh, and then for the Club World Cup that FIFA Cup uh, puts on with the winners of each of the Confederations Champions League, a team from New Zealand was supposed to go, I believe, out of Auckland. But because of COVID, they decided not to, and so the OFC nominated P Ray, and they actually got to go. Now they lost the only game they played, but it's still really cool that they got to go. This year in league play, would you believe the scoring over four goals per match that they are only the third best offensive team in the league? Yeah, in Paradise, they don't all play a lot of defense. Although this team does play good defense, they don't allow quite a goal per match. They've got the second best overall goal differential. Teams form, they have won 9 of 10, and that one loss they had in there was to a league team, but it was in the OFC Champions League, a play-in match for that. And now we'll talk about Dragon, a team we've actually mentioned before and that I really like the history of. It was founded all the way back in 1968, specifically to represent uh, the Chinese French P Polynesian community. All the players 
were of Chinese descent. Now, uh, both their fans and the team itself is more diverse now, but it was really uh, somewhat necessary for representation at the time. Uh, they've made three Champions League appearances. The best of those was in 2018. They made the quarterfinals. They have won, as you would expect, three league titles, the most recent one, 2016-17. In league play, they are the ones that have the number one offense going in. You've got to score over five goals per match to be number one in that category. Wow. They've only got the third best defense. They're actually giving up over a goal per match, but they do have the number one overall goal differential. Team's current form. 4-1-0 in their last five. That one was their only loss of the season, and that was a 4-5 loss at home, interestingly, to number four, Tefana. You know, it's not like we don't get these cats string and catnip toys and play with them in lots of different ways. And yet here they are, always mewling for a recap of the previous week's matches. Well, perhaps we could all do with that. Let's see how things went. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from Major League Soccer. Number one in the West LAFC played host to number four LA Galaxy. What a match it was. LAFC did come out on top 3-2. Kellen Acosta had an assist, as did Carlos Vela. Uh, this knocked LA LA Galaxy down to number five, unfortunately for them. Match number B from the National Premier Soccer League's Golden Gate Division. Second place, Alfaro Lito played host to number three, Napa Valley 1839. And Faro Lito absolutely dropped the hammer on him and won five to one. Saturday, match number three from the USL2 Northwest Division. Number one, Capital, took on number B, Ballard, and the result was a 3-1 win for Capital. No change in the table there. Match number four from the Premier League in Canada. For second best, Atletico Ottawa hosted number one, Cavalry FC. They played to a 1-1 draw. Uh, for Ottawa, their star, Ballo Tabla, had the goal. There was no change in position in the table for these two. Match number five, Liga Puerto Rico. They were having their playoff final. Number one, Metropolitan, and number three, Puerto Rico, Seoul, and it was not a contest. Metropolitan won five to nil. Congratulations to the American champions in Puerto Rico. Match number six, another championship final, but this one from Island Africa, Cape Verde football championship, where uh, number one from their group C, Academica do Mindelo, beat the winners of group B, Palmyra, and it was Mindelo coming out on top, 1-0. Congratulations to them on their trophy. Sunday match number seven from the women's AFCON. We had number two, whoops. In the table, Nigeria taking on number four, Burundi. And unsurprisingly, your defending champions came out on top 4-0, that being Nigeria. Monday, match number eight from CONCACAF Women's Championship. We had the U.S. ladies taking on those from Mexico. Mexico have really had a disappointing event, especially since they've been hosting the whole thing. Uh, USA came out with a 1-0 win. Tuesday, match number nine from the UEFA Champions League. First qualifying round, the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Vikinger Reykjavik, Iceland, taking on Malmo's power, uh, Sweden's power in Malmo, rather. They had a shootout, and it went to 3-3. Three to three. Fortunately for the Icelanders, that means Malmo win 5-6 on aggregate. But what a series that they had. That was something. Thursday, match number 10 from the Europa Conference League. First qualifying round, leg two, Europa FC from Gibraltar. Took on another Vikingur. This one from the Faroe Islands. Uh, Vikingur won the first leg 1-0, and they came out on top on the road as well. 1-2. to two. 
and their star came out to shine. Solvi Wattenhammer that we mentioned, he scored both goals for the winners. And then, your bonus matches, with explanations to come later. Friday match, we went to USL2 once again, the Great Lakes Division, where first place Kalamazoo took on last place Midwest United. Kalamazoo came out on top 2-1. Then your most meaningless match in the world with a new favorite team in it from Sudan's Premier League. Number eight, Wad Nubawi. Check out the new part of that. Maybe we should sponsor them. I'll start a Patreon account or something, and we can all contribute. That'll work out. Taking on number six, Hilal El Fasher. They played to a 1-1 draw, as is appropriate in the most meaningless match in the world. Other teams around them had not so meaningless results, though. El Fasher went down from number six to number nine, and Wad El Nubawi dropped all the way to number 11. And then finally, your match of disappointed exclamation point was a Thursday match from Egypt's Premier League, second to last place, Eastern Company SC. Took on number 18, last place, Mr. Lael Makasa SC. And uh, it was Eastern Company that came out on top of the 2-1 win, but they're both bad enough that this didn't matter. They're both still in the bottom two of the table. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with match number six. We march onward into Sunday and come back stateside once again for match number six, where they're just over halfway through the season in Major League Soccer. Uh, A fair number of rivalry matches geographically this particular week, but none finer than the Hudson River Derby, where we have number three, Red Bull New York, taking on number one, NYCFC in the Eastern Conference. Uh, For our newest fans of the game, just a reminder, the top seven from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs the winners will get to go straight through the quarterfinals. Now, uh, right now, Red Bull New York, they lead NYCFC by just one in the table with Philly, I believe, in between. But NYCFC have two matches in hand. So really, I think it's advantaged them. As far as the recent series, it has been to the Red Bull's advantage. They have dominated, in fact, accruing a 13-3-6 and record. You can see how this particular iteration is going to go at 5 o'clock on five at five o'clock Eastern time on the flagship for ESPN Red Bulls, New York. They have won the supporter shield, which is the best record in the regular season, major league soccer, three different times. Most recent one was 2018 last year. They finished in seventh place. Good enough to get into the playoffs, but they did not get past the first round this year. They have a top three offense scoring one and a half per match and are tied for third best on defense, allowing just over a goal per game. Uh, Top 10 league scorer with nine really getting it done for them is Lewis Morgan from Scotland. I'm not sure that this is somebody anticipated being this good. He plays winger for them, came over from Inter Miami. They might've even gotten him on a free, but the best player statistically that I think they have going and doesn't get nearly enough talk Christian Caceres Jr., their Venezuelan left winger. He's just 22 years old. Now, he he does more time at left wing than anywhere else, but his value comes in his versatility. He could play anywhere from center forward all the way back to central defensive midfielder, everything in between. He's got just one goal and no assists on the year, but he's great at setting up the offense. He's a very good dribbler. And he also tracks well defensively. He's a good tackler, and he's got a lot of interceptions on the season. 
red hot for this team on the defensive side of things. On the left side, along with uh, USMNT occasional fixture, Aaron Long is John Tolkien, a guy. So watch the left side of the uh, defense. Well, or don't. There may not be a lot going on there. This may not be where NYFC can attack. Uh, Tolkien is a left back, just 19 years old. He plays a little midfield as well. Plays alongside Aaron Long, as I mentioned, and he is really consistent with his passing. But he also pushes forward often enough that he creates a lot of chances and he's fast enough at 19 years old, you think he would be, that he gets back on defense well and makes a lot of recovery. So he's really fun to watch uh, push forward. Team's current form, they're 2-1-0 in their last three with a 4-1 and goal differential. And now coming to town, the Pigeons, one of my favorite nicknames, NYCFC. Uh, last year they finished number four in the league and they won in the regular season and then they won their very first MLS title. They've got the number one offense going. They're the only team in the East that's actually scoring over two goals per match. That's to go with the top four defense good enough to make them the wielder of the number one goal differential in the East. Talked about him last year and can't quit talking about him. Number one league scorer, Valentin Castellanos, still a youngster, just 23 years old from Argentina forward. I was about to say, when he's going to go over to Europe? And then now I'm looking at my notes that I put together a couple days ago. There's been a lot of talk in the news about a transfer to Leeds over in the Premier League being possible. And there's been some talk of Newcastle as well, but I believe that Leeds uh, still leads the hunt, pun intended. Uh, top 10 in assists in the league, setting him up with eight is Thales Magno, Brazilian winger, just 20 years old. I've seen a little bit of talk about him going to Chelsea, and yet even if something like that did happen, he's so young, I think that there's a reasonable chance that they would just loan him right back, quite frankly. Now, the hottest player that they've got going lately, I think, is Santiago Rodriguez. He is their uh, Uruguayan left winger, 22 years old. Sensational passer, especially on long balls. This is a guy that is so fun to watch in that particular regard. And he can get things done in the box as well. He's got two goals and five assists on the air. He's pretty okay on duels, but he tackles uh, very well as well, which is not something you always see with some of the youngsters. So uh, this is a guy who I would like, I'm not particularly an NYCFC fan per se, but I would love to see him continue to get uh, more and more consistent in that regard because I'll bet he'll get some European talk as well. Team's current form, they've been a little bit on the slide. Uh, their form their last three is 0-2-1. Match number seven. Our weekend fun is still not done, and neither is our traveling, because now we're off to Africa for the Women's AFCON. Uh, that's the championship for the women's national teams over there. Now, the top four teams that are left alive, we're going to try to hit the final next week, for next week's episode, I should say. This week, we're going to look at a couple of teams that did not make the semifinals, but there's a reason for it. This tournament has doubled, like a lot of the women's uh, cha uh, confederation championships have, doubling as uh, World Cup qualification events. The top four teams that are still alive in the winner's bracket, as it were, have all already qualified for the World Cup. But two more teams are going to get to go to inter-confederation playoffs. In other words, they've still got a chance and that's where these teams are going to come in. There are four teams left alive. Tunisia and South Africa, they're going to play each other. The winner is going to get to go to uh, one of those ICPO matches. And then the winner of this particular match, the one we're going to look at, Botswana versus 
Cameroon here. What I they call these? I think the repachage matches, and I'm probably mispronouncing uh, mispronouncing it, but I like to think of them simply as consolation matches. So let's talk about Botswana first, because Lord knows probably nobody has had much reason to in the past. Uh, this is a team with very little history and very little success, and yet here they are having advanced quite a ways. They are known as the Zebras. Uh, the country's only even had a women's program really since 2002 is all. Uh, they're ranking worldwide just number 152. They're not even in the top half of the African Confederation. They're rated number 29. Now, their best success to date has probably been in the regional event for the national teams called COSAFA, and they finished in second place in that in 2020. So this is a team that has had some success and yet at the same time is still getting their feet under them. They've never been to the World Cup, never been to the Olympics, and in fact, this visit into the, the uh, WAFCON is the first time that they have ever been in this event proper. And uh, they barely got into the quarterfinals. They were the second best number three group finisher in the previous round. And in fact, their two to four win over Burundi were the only points that they earned. That was just good enough to squeak them by out of that group stage and into the knockout stage. And the reason that they were able to do it is because of their defense. They only lost nil two and one to, and one to nil to Nigeria, which is the class of the continent by far and South Africa, which is probably one of the three or four best teams uh, in the quarterfinals. They had to play the hosts. The whole thing has been taking place in Morocco. They lost a very close match two to one in that quarterfinal match. Uh, event scoring team leaders with two goals each are Kaitumetse, Ditebe, and uh, Refiwe Tholakele. And the, the latter of those two is their captain. Uh, you can catch this match, by the way, if you want to look out for these uh, key players on Fanatiz, F-A-N-A-T-I-Z online is my understanding. Teams current form 1-0-3 in their last four with that one win in the group stage over Burundi being their only points. And now Cameroon, they are the indomitable lionesses. Well, lion is cliche, but at least they've done something a little uh, fancy, if perhaps a touch gaudy with their name. I think it's cool. They're ranked number 54 in the world, so almost 100 spots ahead of uh, their competition today. And they are ranked number B in all of the African Confederation. Uh, 2018, I mentioned that COSAFA event. They were the uh, second place finishers, one of their best international finishes. They made the last two World Cups, and both times they made it as far as the round of 16. They have made every single women's AFCON since the uh, event was incepted. 2016, they uh, finished as runners-up, and they've done that three times, best they've ever done. I bet you all three times it was uh, to Nigeria, though. Anyway, uh, they finished second best in their group uh, leading into this, the knockout stage, uh, behind very surprising number four, the Copper Queens of Zambia. Uh, they went 1-2-0 and in the group stage, getting their one win over uh, a very good Tunisian team. Uh, they've been playing small ball. Their goal differential in that part of the event was just 3-1. to one. Uh, they lost to Nigeria, nil one in the quarterfinals. Uh, no shame in that, just a little bit of an unlucky draw, if you will. Uh, gal to look for here, Gabrielle Onbuene. She is their captive striker, veteran, 33 years old. Plays her club ball over in uh, Russia for CSKA Moscow. And she's got 53 national team caps under her belt since 2008. 
And if you want to root for an underdog, root for Botswana. If you're looking for a USA connection, this is your team. We've got a couple of them. Estelle Johnson. Uh, she is a defender, 33 years old, who plays for Gotham FC. Uh, she spent her entire career in the U.S., in fact. Uh, she's only just got uh, five uh, national team appearances since 2018. Kind of an interesting thing, especially given that the uh, international body, the IFFHS, named her to the African Team of the Decade uh, covering uh, the 2010s. Pretty astounding that she hasn't been used more on the national team. And then your other gal from the U.S. or with the U.S. connection is Michaela Abam, A-B-A-M. She plays forward. Uh, she has a parental or grandparental lineage uh, from Africa, but she's actually Houston-born and plays for the Houston Dash. She's only made four national team appearances since 2018. From what I read, I don't think she even really looked into the possibility until something like 2017, and then they were very happy to have her. She would have a few more national team appearances to her belt, but she had to miss the last women's AFCON uh, because of some kind of passport issue. Team's current form, they are 1-2-1 one, one in their last four. Match number eight. Another Sunday match, and this time we hop across the Southern Atlantic to Brazil for a really fun match from their top flight, the Serie A, where they're just a little bit less than halfway through the season here in South America's premier domestic league. Uh, four of their teams get to go to the Champions League group stage. Two more teams uh, will participate from the qualifying stages on, and then six teams will get to go to the Copa Sudamericana, their secondary international club tournament. Uh, as is the case with uh, so many of, basically this league is getting covered almost exclusively by Paramount+. Plus. Uh, here in the U.S. And you can catch this particular match at 3 o'clock Eastern time. This is not a top two. This is one that a uh, person who actually pick, uh, picked out, I think she thought it would be cool if we got to uh, hit every confederation at least once. Uh, so sorry about that second division in Ireland. We looked at your top two matchup. Same thing, the top two in the East in the USL Championship, second tier in America. I gave her a choice between uh, those two matches and this one, and she said that she likes Brazil. So here we are for number seven, Sao Paulo, taking on number five, Fluminense. So remember from what I said before about how many teams are getting to go, Sao Paulo, this is really critical for them, even at this moderately early juncture of the season, that they are sitting just outside of the Copa Libertadores, the South American Champions League. Fluminense, meanwhile, they would like to at least maintain where they are or maybe even climb up into the top four so that they don't have to deal with a play-in match. Uh, only three points in this league right now separate number six, Atletico Paranaense and uh, Fluminense, by the way, with whom they're tied, and number one, Palmyra. So there is all kinds of volatility waiting to happen here potentially at the top of the table. Then you've got Sao Paulo. They are four more points back, kind of the best of the rest. But if you're part of quote unquote, the rest, it means right now that you're not going to the Copa Libertadores. So they really need to make a move. Uh, Fluminense have had the best of it in recent seasons. They've accrued a 10, seven and seven record. Sao Paulo are getting to host and they play out of the district of Marumbe in that Metro area. So the West central part, of Sao Paulo, probably has about 35,000 people. This is the most supported club in Brazil. Figure I read says they have something like 12 million supporters. And why not? This is a team with three Copa Libertadores titles on their belt. Although uh, 2005 was the most recent one. And then they went on to win the FIFA Club World Cup that year, which is a really big deal because the Europeans win it almost every year. Last year, 
I feel like they started out strong and they collapsed late. They ended up finishing all the way down in 13th. This year, to be perfectly honest, their stats, I think that they're not going to do any better than flirting with a Coppola Bertadori's birth. They've got a they really are what they are. They've got a, a, a top six offense and a top six defense, but just barely on both counts. And then uh, the goal differential is in that same area. So who have they been relying on and who are they hoping to squeeze a little bit more out of? Well, there's one name to know with this particular team, and that is the second best score in all of the league with nine goals. And that is Jonathan Caleri. He comes over from Argentina, plays striker with them. Really interesting career history for him with him. He's with a team in Uruguay officially called Deportivo Maldonado that I'm barely familiar with. I don't think they're particularly good, to be perfectly honest. But this, So they've had his rights since like 2016, yet they've almost always loaned him out. He's played for West Ham over in the Premier League and then a bunch of La Liga clubs, not any of the top ones, but uh, – well, it doesn't matter which ones, and even over in uh, Italy, I believe, with Osasuna. Maybe that's a little legal one. I'm getting confused. In any case, he's always been loaned out to better places than the club that actually has him. Team's current form, uh, their last two, they're just 0-1-1. Uh, those dropped points snapped a three-match winning streak. Basically, they've got to find some offense now that they're back on their home turf. And now, Fluminense playing out of Lauren Jairas, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, it's in the southern part of the city. Uh, it's a very upper-class, uh, upper-middle-class residential area, basically. So if you like your soccer blue-collar rough-and-tumble, uh, this may not be the fan group for you. I do like the fact that they have named their club after a demonym for the indigenous people of the Flumen, uh, the Flumen or Fluminense. I don't know what the root word is there, but it's named after those native people. They've also got a weird nickname, uh, one of several, that is the Rice Powder. I didn't find any explanation for that. Maybe I'll be able to do a deeper dive in the future. Or maybe you can. You could let me know. Anyway, two league titles to their credit. Last one was a decade ago. Uh, 2008, they were runners-up in the Copa Libertadores. Last year, they finished just in seventh place, so they were Copa Sudamericana bound. Uh, this year, I think that they could really push hard for a top four spot. The offense is just so-so, top five. But to be perfectly honest, Serie A and Brazil is not the highest scoring league in the world. Uh, they've got a top three defense and a top four goal differential. I think if they can play consistently, they can really flirt with fourth. Uh, they've got the number one league score in the league, by the way. So if he can get any kind of help, this is a team that could really move up in that category. Uh, Herman Cano is the man I'm speaking of. He's another Argentinian forward, 34 years old. And yes, Liga MX fans, this is the guy you knew. He was with Pachuca and Leon for a long time. And then they've got three players on the assist leaderboard with three each. So if they could just find a second guy to really get any goals for them, they should be doing very well. They've got a good goalkeeper as well. He's tied for second best in the league in clean sheets with seven, and that is the singularly named Fabio. Not the model, but he's close to his age probably. This guy is 41 years old. And this is it, but uh, I'm glad he's settled in and is still doing well because oftentimes when you move from a place for the first time in a long time, that's not always necessarily how it goes. He spent his 16 previous seasons with Cruzeiro before coming over here. Team's current form, they have won six straight matches across all competitions. Defense in particular has been on fire. They've got a 14-2 and goal differential over that stretch. 
Hello everybody, it is Person Noob here, and today my dad is eating the sandwich that I put up for, for the ingredients, the tastiest sandwich ever. Yeah, what you can't see is, although maybe you heard them, is the... Uh, the bunny air quotes that she's putting around tastiest. I believe what she's also referring to with the ingredients is we want to say thank you to everybody that voted in a poll that person who herself, she identified herself and tweeted out a poll asking what sort of, uh, which of four different pairs of ingredients should go on the sandwich that she was going to have me eat. Now let me, uh, let me interject here that the whole idea when we first started uh, doing periodically person noobs sandwich reviews remember always pronounce any ooh word with a b on the end kids was that you were going to be reviewing sandwiches that i made or picked up somewhere how did things change why am i now the one eating the sandwiches because it's person noob sandwich review i'm the person that runs it so it can be either way Oh, well, all right then. I guess she is my, 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 my co-host, not my sidekick. I always specifically say it one way versus the other. Do we want to tell the good people uh, uh, what you did here with your with the winning sandwich that got the most votes? Oh, yes. So what got the most votes was pickles and mustard. Now, this is not pickles and mustard as the primary extra ingredients on some other sort of uh, normal sandwich, is it? No. No. What else is on this sandwich? Bread. <laughs> and what else? Air. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. So it's, you, there's so much mustard on this thing that it's spilling out over the side. And did you go with, did you go with the Dijon mustard from the fridge? Or did you no. go with, okay, so it's just French's yellow mustard, dill pickles, Yep. And what kind of bread is it on? Wheat. Not that it really gonna, it's really going to matter. <laughs> and it's my job. I Am I being punished for something? Yes. I am? What? You're being punished for being mean to me. That's right. Earlier, early, well, we had this plan beforehand, but yes, earlier tonight when we found the, uh, when we found the microphone in the trash, I was, uh, I was not real thrilled. I didn't get like way angry, but I was kind of displeased, wasn't I? Yeah. But maybe one of the cats knocked it over. We don't know. All right. So now, Kitties. now what was just a sandwich review is now my punishment, my fate, as it were. I want to make sure I get the mustard. Now I've got a drink over right here. Am I allowed to have a drink after? Yes. All right. Here we go. You're making a fish face. Mm-hmm. It's so sour. That was a little bit tart. I have not had my face ever puckered like that. I think my left cheek and my life, my right cheek switched places. I was sucking on them so hard. Are you going to try a bite? Yeah. Uh oh, pickle down, pickle down on the floor. Pickle down on my mouth. <laughs> Tastes great. You like the sandwich? I like the sandwich. All right. So, uh, uh, how do we want to... Are we rating the sandwich? It is a review. You're rating the sandwich. I'm rating the sandwich. Well, for myself, I, I am a big mustard fan. I can very much leave ketchup alone. It, it's okay as a condiment on a variety of things, but most things you would put ketchup on, I would prefer to have it without. Mustard, like if I go to a baseball game my whole life, two brats, one with a little yellow mustard and one without. I'm a mustard guy, but I don't like to overdo it. That sandwich overdid it.
and then only pickles. There was nothing but a little bit of the sweetness in the wheat bread to, to counterbalance. Uh, now, I'm also surprised that I didn't feel like it was so much mustard that the texture was overwhelming because you want to tell them how you made it? Um, I squirted out some mustard because I was having problems because I'm not a good cook and the mustard was um, de death. And then I spreaded it smoothly with the knife and then I yeeted some pickles onto it. I took the other piece of bread and I put lots of mustard on that, spread it, slapped them together, squeezed it as hard as I could. Yeah, so the, the, the key thing that I want listeners to get here is that both sides of the bread had a lot of mustard so um what am i rating this on a one out of five one out of ten one out of ten noobs uh, the wheat bread was okay it has tastes i like on it it was just way too strong i would never eat this again but i won't give them my lowest rating by any out of a uh, out of one to ten possible uh noob reviews or whatever is that a unit yeah. okay i give it a three does that seem fair? I give her seven. Really? Oh, she's actually going for more of the sandwich. Well, there you have it. This has been... Person New Sandwich Review. Match number nine. After a busy weekend like that, you deserve Monday off, and so you shall have it. We'll get back into the tracking on Tuesday. Match number eight comes to us from the CONCACAF Women's Championship. It is the final between the two favorites all along, uh, U.S. and Canada. Now, because so many podcasts are going to be giving you all kinds of in-depth preview on this, we will take a break, as we often do late in this particular show's episodes. We'll do what we call a culture break. Instead of talking about the game, we're going to talk about something where it's being hosted. Now, this whole event is being held in Monterey. So I thought, well, what else is there to do in Monterey besides this? And I found something really fun. You can go there for the stalker and then stay to see the Grutas de Garcia. 30 kilometers outside of Monterey. It's a really easy get. Um, it's in an area called the Sierra del uh, Fraile, which is called or translates to Friar's Range. Once you get close and get parked, you can, if you want to, I wouldn't take a really steep hiking path, or you can do what most people do and take the five minute aerial tramway to get to the entrances for these caves, which were formed 50 to 60 million years ago. And if you're into fossils, this is probably one really fun to take the kids for because it used to be submerged in seawater entirely during the prehistoric area. So right in the walls, not just in the ground, you're going to find tons and tons of sea animal uh, remains, fossils, and the like. This area was thought to be undiscovered by humans until the Marmalejo brothers in 1843 found it, which is really neither here nor there, but I read that and I really liked their name. I wonder if it translates to marmalade. I really wanted to. Anyway, they went, and I don't know why, but they went and uh, found a priest in a nearby village to tell them about these gorgeous caves that they found. The village was named Garcia and now hence Rutas de Garcia. Now, if you're a serious spelunker, these may not be the most impressive caves in the world. They're fine, but there are bigger, deeper ones out there. But these are not unimpressive at all. There's over two miles to walk between the two, two different paths. You can get to a depth of all the way to 345 feet. You can choose from two different paths. Between the two, uh, there are 27 different chambers at which you will get to ogle. Overall, everything in there is going to look like a desert landscape. Uh, some of the highlights in there are the Salon de la Luz, 
or chamber of light. Uh, the type of rock that's up in the up near the ceiling or top of this chamber offers enough clarity that light actually gets through from the surface. So it's supposed to be very, very beautiful. There's another one that they call uh, La Octavia Maravilla, or Eighth Wonder, where a stalactite and a stalagmite, you know, one from the ceiling, one from the ground, grow together into a column or columns. And then you've got the Salon de Aire, which is a 40 foot, which has a 40 foot balcony that I believe you get to uh, look out over the chamber from. Uh, there are a bunch of other ones as well. One that looks like the Nativity, the Frozen Fountain, uh, the theater, which they've set up some artificial lights to make that look really cool. I think it has a bunch of small uh, stalactites, stalagmite columns, and one called El Arbol de Navidad, the Christmas tree. So in any case, if you're down there watching, uh, down there to watch the soccer, or if you ever head that way, Remember that Noob mentioned to you such a fabulous place to go and take your family or friends, the Grutas de Garcia. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, and finally, we're going to get to see a trophy lifted this episode. Your final match of our traditional 10, if you will, remember that we still have our bonus matches to come, is from the Egypt FA Cup. They've reached their final where the winner will get the shiny trophy and, at least officially, a Confederations Cup berth. That's the secondary tournament behind the Champions League in Africa. But I will tell you that these two teams that have made the final, yeah, they're going to the Champions League. I'll virtually guarantee it. And so uh, the two teams that are the most excited that these two teams made it are Future FC and a team called Smuha because they are in uh, fourth place in the Premier League. And so the Confederations Cup berth will pass on down to one of them. This particular match is going to be played at a neutral site in Alexandria. And your participants are all Ailey and taking on Zamalek, two of the big three in uh, in Egypt, as far as the recent series, it has been all all Ailey, as it has really been for about 120 some years. Uh, they have a recent series lead of 13 nine against nine against just two losses. Uh, the two times that they have played this season in league play, all Ailey have earned a 2 2 draw and then a shootout of a 5 3 win. I think what we're going to find as we go through here is one thing I can guarantee if you can find a place to watch this online, I'm not aware of any US TV coverage, you're going to see a lot of goals. Going to be a fun one. All Ailey, they are your home team on paper and known as the Red Devils or the Red Giant. They are the six or were the six time defending league champions until last year. They have won 37 FA Cup titles, but only two over the last decade. Haven't taken this event quite as seriously as seemed like. Uh, they didn't have the roughest path to get here. They advanced to the title over a Division II team called Aswan. Uh, currently in uh, the 2021-22 Premier League, they are in third place, but they're probably really a top two team at least because they've got two matches in hand on the top two teams. They've got the number one offense. They're the only team scoring over two goals per match. And uh, collectively or cumulatively, they've only got a fourth best defense. But if you really look at it in terms of uh, goals allowed per match, they're probably top two. And they've got the number one goal differential as well. On the scoring leaderboard for them in league play with seven is Mohamed Sharif. He is a striker. And then top 10 in assists for them with five is Mohamed Afshaw, their left midfielder, who also has six goals. Uh, he's the best player on the team. And uh, quite frankly, I think he's one of the top two players 
in the entirety of the Egyptian Premier League. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. And again, just want to note that that win was over a lower division side. So could they be tiring a little bit from all their league play and all their Champions League runs? If so, looking to take advantage of that is Zamalek, known as the White Castle or the White Knight. And interestingly, because I would have thought it was all Ailey, but this was actually the most crowned club in Egypt of the 20th century internationally. As far as this FA Cup, they've won it 27 times, six of them in the last decade, most recent one, 2019. So they have put a little bit more effort into this event in recent years. I think that makes them the favorite here, too. And they are your defending league champions. Yeah, the team that broke all Bailey's six-year streak. Currently, they are number one in the Premier League. Uh, they didn't have a tough road to this final either. They advanced over a second division team themselves called Petrojet who were just demoted down a couple, three years ago. Uh, they don't have the best defense in the world. They're not much above average, but they've got the second best offense going in the Premier League and a top three goal differential. Uh, team number one, uh, or rather tied for number one in league scoring with 12 is uh, Zizo, Z-I-Z-O, maybe a Zizo, I'm not sure, midfielder. Uh, European footy fans, I suppose there's a chance you could recognize him. He spent one year with one of the uh, perennial also-rans in Portugal, uh, uh, Morairense. But uh, as far as Egypt, he's one of the best players in their league. He's got 20 national team caps to his credit as well. And by the way, to go with those 12 goals, seven assists. He's the best player in this league. They've also got the second-best goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets in Mohamed uh, Sobhai. Uh, he's got a dozen of those and the league's best save percentage at 76%. But I think what's more telling about that is not only is he a really good goalkeeper, but that the team gives up a lot of shots on goal and he gets a lot of practice. Hence, just another reason I think it's being shown that this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Team's current form, they are 5-1-0 in their last six. They've won two straight, but they haven't kept any clean sheets over that stretch. Bring forth the bonus matches! Uh, perhaps my favorite part of the show, and in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to decide what the content was going to be. How does that happen? Well, you find me on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA. The beginning of every week, I put up polls with the candidate matches. You vote. Dreamy content happens. It's sensational. The first one is a first versus last place matchup that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And you have selected a Saturday match from the fourth tier of U.S. soccer, not the NPSL this time, the other one, USL 2, a match from the Chesapeake Division, where we have number one Lions Bridge taking on number six in last place, Commonwealth Cardinals. Uh, the champion is going to get to go on to the playoffs. The second best team might get to. There's no relegation, so the Cardinals don't have to worry about that. There are six clubs in this particular Division and they play a 14 match schedule. Uh, Lions Bridge uh, won nil four when they last played. And in fact, that was just a few days ago, the last time both of these teams played. 
Here's how the table looks. Lionsbridge, they lead Christos by 13. And if you've been following American soccer at all for a while, that was a team that made a really deep U.S. Open Cup run just a few years ago. So they've got the title pretty much wrapped up. Meanwhile, Commonwealth Cardinals, they've still got time to pull themselves out of the cellar. They trail Patuxent by three points. We'll talk about your likely winners in waiting first. Lions Bridge, they are named, as you would imagine, for a famous area bridge. They play in the Town Bank Stadium that holds 4,200. Uh, it's also home to the gridiron team called Newport Captains. Yes, this is in Newport News, Virginia. Club was founded in 2017, and uh, that is in the Virginia Peninsular area. Uh, again, Newport News, city of about 200,000. Something I didn't realize, it's the oldest English city name in the U.S. It's known for its shipbuilding and for a huge joint army USAF base. So those are the two pillars of the economy there. Last year, they finished in second place in their division, best they've ever done. They did get to go to the playoffs nationally and made it all the way to the quarterfinals. This year, they are undefeated, and why not? They've got the number one defense by a lot, giving up less than a goal per match. Nobody else is close. They've got a number, uh, the number B offense and good for the number one overall goal differential. Their star with the highest goals per assist on their team with three plus nine is Andrew Bennett. Team's current form, they have won four straight with a ridiculous goal differential of 16-4 to just two against. Coming to town and not making that long of a trip because they're there in Virginia as well, Fredericksburg are the Commonwealth Cardinals. Fredericksburg, by the way, great area, probably has about 150,000 people. Uh, it's a nice tourist area, of course, and is basically otherwise a sleeper community for the greater D.C. area. It appears, take this with a grain of salt, that this is only their second year in existence. Uh, they've got uh, tied for the uh, fourth best offense, so not much better than worse. They only manage a goal per game. And then they've got the worst defense by quite a bit. They're giving up over three per match. So uh, no other team is within 50% of them on goal differential. They are heinous. Team leader, or least bad player, if you will, is Juan Ballas with five goals. Team's current form, uh, they've lost two straight, uh, both against the top two teams in the league, and so that hasn't gone their way. Uh, they accrued just a 2-15 and 15 goal differential. But the match before that, we always look with the route of the week for some reason to think that maybe that last place, last place team can pull off a win. And before they had to play the best two teams, they actually got a road win. So here's to hoping that, that maybe they can make a showing against Lions Bridge. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Not only do we celebrate these two mid-tabling teams, but we do it with song, specifically ripped off from Prince. But that's okay. I doubt anybody from their estate is listening. The most meaningless match in the world that you have selected is a Sunday match from one of the summer leagues over in Europe, the Allsvenskan. That is the top flight in Sweden. It is the number 22 ranked league in all of Europe. Uh, the uh, top team will get to go to the Champions League, the next two teams to the Europa Conference League. Two teams out of the 16 will get relegated at the end of the year. 
One will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playoff or playout match. And these two teams probably don't have to worry about any of that drama. They are just gliding along through their beautiful, meaningless season. Number eight, IFK Gutzeborg taking on number nine, Mialbi. Gutzeborg currently lead Mialbi by one. Now, just to give an idea of how far they are from uh, either end of the uh, standings, they trail, uh, Gutzeborg trails number three, AIK by five points. That's not a huge amount, but think about how many teams they have to leapfrog to get there. Kind of the same situation for Mialbi in terms of going down. They're ahead of number 14, GIF Sunsval by six. Series between these two. Uh, Gutzeborg have had the better of it of late with a 6-5-3 record. They are known as the Angels and play out of uh, the town of Gothenburg. Gothenburg, Gutzeborg, literally the same thing, just from different languages. It's on the southwest coast of the country. Uh, second biggest metro area at a fair bit over a million people. Uh, this is the biggest port in all of Scandinavia, and it's a huge manufacturing area. Uh, this is the most popular club in the country, despite the fact that they're not uh, having their best ever season right now. Really, their halcyon days were back in the 1980s, and it just the support you know doesn't tend to wane in places like this. They have won 18 league titles. Most recent one though was 2007. They won what is now the Europa League twice, both times back in the 1980s. And then twice with the Champions League, they have been as far as the semifinals. More recent of those two appearances was in the mid-90s. Last year, they were in a fairly meaningless position as well, having finished eighth. This year, the offense is the reason that they are not doing better. They're in the bottom half of the league in that regard, but their top six defense keeps them just afloat and keeps their goal differential more or less dead even. The best player on their team is uh, the second best scorer in the league, actually, with seven, Marcus Berg, 35-year-old veteran striker who spent the heart of his career in Greece, not with one of the big three over there, but uh, Panathinaikos, not a bad team by any stretch, although he just came over from Krasnodar in Russia last year, and he's their 90 national team. Uh, caps uh, from 2008 through last year. I'm not sure he's playing international ball anymore. And then something we like to do just for fun is to look at the most meaningless player or the most average player on the entire roster. That looks like it is Hossam Aish from Syria, right midfielder, two goals, no assists. He actually started his career here, so this is his uh, second time here. Uh, he's a good tackler, but really not very good on his passing accuracy. And something else, uh, fun but meaningless I found out about him is he has visited 41 of the 48 train stations in Sweden, something he likes to do in the offseason. Uh, when asked about that by uh, one of the two big local play, uh, papers there in Gothenburg, yeah, they still have two, believe it or not. When asked about it, um, his quote was, yeah, it's kind of fun to do, but which is my favorite? Eh, they're just train stations. Talk about meaningless. Anyway, as far as the team's current form, they are 2-0-1 over the last three with a 4-4 four and four goal differential. At least one of the facts that you just heard from that half of the mini preview wasn't true. I'll let you guess which one it was. And now, Mialbi. They were founded in 1938, and yet... This is only their ninth season in the top flight. They've won the Super Aton two different times, most recently 2019. That's the second division. Uh, they play out of uh, Holovic, which is uh, on the southeast coast. It's got uh, maybe a 1,000 people. It's not very big, but 
Uh, the whole municipality that they're a part of has 17,000. And then the whole county, which is actually Mialbi, has about 150,000. It's the smallest county in the country. Last year, they finished in ninth place, so they are meaningless once again. Uh, the offense is putrid, to be perfectly honest. They only average a goal per match, but they've got a top four defense, and that's good to uh, make sure that they are just staying afloat with an almost perfectly even uh, goal differential. Small ball is rarely going to get you that uh, any further than that, quite frankly, in league play. Uh, best player they probably got going is Samuel Brolin, their goalkeeper with five clean sheets, just 21 years old. He's actually on loan here uh, for the team that's currently in third place and one of the perennial powers in Sweden, AIK. Uh, the most meaningless player they have, and he's got time to either uh, stink worse or find some meaning in his and all of our lives, and that is 19-year-old center back Noah Isle. He's on loan here uh, from Malmo, the real current power right now in Sweden. He's, uh, his contract for loan runs out in November. It remains to be seen, I think, whether he's going to get to go up to Malmo or go out on loan again. He's got one goal on the season. Uh, he's uh, excellent on clearances and interceptions, uh, but he doesn't even try to dribble or tackle, quite frankly. And I think that the last one year center back is just unforgivable. And he's an okay passer. Teams current form, they are 1-1-2 one, one, and two in their last four. And now at last, we reach the end of our podcast road. And while we have been celebrating good teams, and yes, even with that last match, mediocre teams, oh no, that is not how we end these shows week by week. Instead, we end with wailing and gnashing of teeth with putridity that is unmatched worldwide. Welcome to the match of Disappointed! And you have selected a Friday match from the deep north division of USL2. Yeah, we're going back to the uh, fourth tier league here in the US. This division has six clubs. It's a very strong one. Three get to go to the playoffs. This is the one we talked about earlier that the Des Moines Menace are in. This is the last match of the regular season and the uh, the end of the season for these two, certainly. Number six, last place, Minneapolis City, taking on number five, St. Croix. Uh, right now, St. Croix, uh, they lead Minneapolis City by six. They trail number four, Manitoba, by three. But they're way behind on goal differential, and Manitoba have a match in hand. So these two are going to finish in those last two spots. That's how disappointing they are. They might as well not even play. I mean, who knows? It could be the safest thing to not introduce people to the horrible psychosis that could result from the terrible brands of soccer that they play, quite frankly. When they have bothered to play earlier this season, St. Croix got a 3-3 draw at home and then a 1-1 draw, so many, or a 1-0 win, rather, and Minneapolis finally gets to host one for themselves. And we'll talk about them first, Minneapolis City. They were founded in 2016. I do have to say there is something I like about this club. They consider themselves very people-driven. They're not particularly corporate, don't go after a lot of sponsorships, and all of their players are Minnesota residents. Uh, they moved over from the NPSL, the other division or tier four league, this year. They're known as the Crows, by the way. They play at Augsburg University, which is a uh, Lutheran church with the ELCA, which is somebody who grew up in a different one of the synods. Ugh, ELCA isn't even the good one. They need to find a different home field. Anyway, Missouri Synod, go fight, win. Uh, let's see. They were the three-time straight NPSL division champions through last year. 
And they thought, oh, well, you know, we should go and see if we can dominate the other league. Well, they have done anything but. Apparently, the USL2 is the stronger one. They haven't won a single game, quite frankly. And it's no surprise. They've got the worst offense. They're the only team in the division that's not managing a goal per match. Second to worst defense, they're giving up over two per match. Uh, The least bad player that they have is Eli Goldman. He's got uh, three goals and an assist from the forward position. As far as the team's current form, well, let's not just say current. Let's look back into history to see how sucky they are. They haven't won a match since July 23rd of last year and have lost six straight here. And now take a look at St. Croix. This is their first year in existence. They play in Stillwater, Minnesota, a small town of about 20,000. It's about 25 miles from uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Played in a Scrabble tournament there once. It's quite beautiful, but apparently the soccer, very disappointing. Uh, St. Croix is the name of the river. You've got Wisconsin on the other side, of course. And if there's something uh, interesting that I found, it's that the uh, auto pop-up toaster is invented here. Okay, now I said the one guy liked train stations uh, from the last match, and now I'm saying that the pop-up toaster was invented here in Stillwater, Minnesota. I will leave it to you to figure out which one is a bluff and which one is the real fact. Anyway, St. Croix, the team is 2-2-7 on the year. Uh, They are tied for fourth place on offense, but have the worst defense going at over two and a half goals uh, per match that they are giving up. Uh, Far and away their best player, only guy who's been worth a darn, quite frankly, has been uh, Telvin Va. He's got five goals and three assists. That's most of the offense for the whole team, quite frankly. As far as their current form, they have lost four straight. And uh, with a very poor 5-13 and 13 goal differential. And that is all that we have to say about these horrible teams. In fact, we will not even wish them good luck. But instead, in our traditional way, we will shoo them off in this fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! And that'll put a bow on episode 92 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob, where we always like to thank those who have contributed, such as the management for all of his production and editing wizardry, to Dan, our website's former Interno Inferno, for all of his continued creative efforts and inspirations, of course, to she who is featured in the title of the show, and in fact is the true star, Person Noob, Thank you so much. I love doing this with you every single week, letting you get to decide how you want to steer your portions of the podcast shift. It's ship. It's always lots of fun. And of course, to you, the listener, we know that uh, this is not your usual soccer podcast out there. We hope at the very least that you have finding you have found it a very nice change of pace. And if you've really enjoyed it, that you'll share it with your footy minded friends. So until we do it again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.